0: Men on the front lines. Men on the front lines! Men on the front lines. We call for these mighty men of valor. The Lord put a vision in my heart for a new movement amongst men in the body of Christ. The Lord says that I'm going to make champions out of those who would gather unto me. And I believe what men on the front lines will do... And I see it going into the nations. ...is going to raise the bar among men. It's time for heroes to arise. I'm Robert Hodgkin, and this is Heroes Arise. Men on the Front Lines live social media broadcast equipping, encouraging, and empowering you to arise as the hero, the warrior, and the champion that God created you to be. You matter, you are important, and you have a key role to play for the kingdom in the earth. So thanks for being with me again this week so we can continue to pour into you. This week we're going to be talking about the eight mistakes Christians can't afford to make right now if we really want to see Reformation break forth. But before we get in... To that topic, I've got a couple quick announcements for you. Number one, I want to remind you of FirewallUSA.com. We are one week away from these historic elections here in the United States of America. And I want to encourage you, go to FirewallUSA.com and sign up to be part of our 24-7 prayer initiative. Praying for the USA, praying into these elections. It's not too late. This last week, we're going to have a great push in the spirit And prayer and praise and worship are going to play a huge part of it. You can help us make history for Jesus in the USA. We're getting some really encouraging signs. Like yesterday, we had Amy Coney Barrett confirmed as a Supreme Court justice. And you know what? God is not done bringing reformation to the USA. So go to FirewallUSA.com. Click the Join button. It's super easy. It's a very simple process, and you can sign up for a one-hour prayer shift and be part of the 24-7 Prayer Initiative. And if you're thinking, hey, I don't know if I can pray for an hour, first of all, yes, you can. We make it easy for you. We have got uh, all sorts of prayer points and prayer decrees that'll make it easy for you. But even if you're thinking, I don't know if I can sign up for an hour, do me a favor, go to firewallusa.com, get the prayer points, get the decrees, and simply pray through them whenever you have time. You don't want to miss this historic chance to make history for Jesus in the USA. The other thing I want to tell you about, we've been talking about it every week, but I want to remind you one more time. Don't forget to go to the Robert Hodgkin YouTube channel and subscribe. We love that we are reaching thousands and thousands and thousands of you through our social media and streaming media. But we have noticed that on some of our most important shows and most important topics, of course, as the week goes on, they get pushed further and further down all our social media feeds. And it gets harder to find them so we have got them all up on robert Hodgkin youtube channel we've got playlists for all the heroes arise shows all the propel shows all the shows i do for god tv we have prophetic words we have mentoring moments we have all sorts of videos hundreds and hundreds of videos for you on the robert Hodgkin youtube channel all for free and if you go there and you subscribe today You'll be able to find any video, anytime you want it, really easily. I'd ask you also to share your favorite videos to help us continue to get word out. And similar to the YouTube channel, remember we now have the Heroes Arise podcast on all the usual and expected podcast formats from Apple Podcasts, to Spotify, to Google Podcasts, to all sorts of podcast platforms I haven't even heard of, but I'll get emails saying that Heroes Arise podcast is now on such and such platform. You can take Heroes Arise with you anywhere you go. Just go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe and share and like and leave a five-star review for the heroes arise podcast it does something to the algorithms that i don't fully understand when you subscribe and like and review and give positive reviews to the podcast and the youtube channel but it helps get it out there for more people to be encouraged empowered and to arise as the champions they were created to be we're all in this together so help us get word out be our marketing department like and share and subscribe the youtube channel videos and the podcast all right Let's get into this week's topic. What I wanna talk about is eight mistakes Christians can't afford to make right now. And the reason is, because this is a season of reformation. This is a historic time. This is an urgent time. This is a critical time. God is getting ready to bring reformation in the nation, and we want to be a part of that. But to be positioned in him to be part of the reformation he wants to bring, there are some mistakes we need to avoid making right now because here's the reality of it. The devil wants to bring reformation too. Actually, we can see in this nation, in society, in our media, in so many different spheres of influence, We can see the reformation the devil's been trying to bring forth. Here's the good news. You already know it. God is way bigger. God is sovereign. God is the Lord Almighty. He's invincible in battle. He wants to bring reformation. But remember, you've been part of that plan since day six. He has always been looking for people who are willing to be in relationship with him that will co-labor with him with his will, his ways, his plans and purposes to be his dominion stewards in the earth. Now, of course, the enemy wants to sucker you, just like the enemy suckered Adam and Eve, to not participate in the kingdom, but to participate, whether it's in the flesh or even sucker you into participating with the devil's plans. Because of that... God has highlighted for me to share with you eight mistakes Christians cannot afford to make right now. So let's jump right in. Number one mistake we can't afford to make is being disappointed with the world, being disappointed with the nation, or being disappointed with the church. Because here's what happens. When you give place to disappointment, you're actually quite literally disappointed appointing yourself you're taking yourself out of your position out of your appointment as god's dominion steward in the earth and now out of disappointment you're releasing darkness instead of light you're releasing the the, the the plans of the enemy, fear, frustration, doubt, anger, all that stuff. You're releasing junk out into the atmosphere as opposed to releasing faith and hope and love. You're When you give place to disappointment, you're not even intentionally doing it, or you might not be aware you're doing it, but what's happening is you're taking on a victim mentality. Because when we're disappointed, what we're saying is, I understood what was supposed to happen, how it was supposed to happen, and when it was supposed to happen more than God. We're trusting in our understanding more than we're trusting in the Lord. Because if we're disappointed, that means we don't like what's going on. Now, we can be aware of what the enemy's doing in the earth. We can be aware of wickedness or unrighteousness gotten into the earth or gotten into the world, gotten into the nation, or even gotten into the church. And we want to be aware of those things so we can be part of God's solution to tear them down but we war not with flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of those powers and principalities. And if we get disappointed, now all of a sudden we're not filled with hope. Now all of a sudden we're not arising and shining, coming up above what's going on in the earth, but we're actually giving place to disappointment. We're giving place to darkness. We're giving place to a victim mentality. We're actually believing a lie that the enemy is somehow winning or, 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 or or defeating God's plans and purposes instead of being in our appointment and in our position as God. When we allow ourselves to be disappointed, we disappoint ourselves from being a part of God's solution. And one of the things I always like to look at, and you guys, we've talked about this a bunch, is I always look at how Jesus is not only our Messiah, but our model. Jesus not only came to restore us to relationship with our Heavenly Father and His kingdom here in the the earth, but He came to put on display, to show us, to model to us what that can look like. No one was more aware of the darkness, the wickedness, and the unrighteousness in the earth than Jesus. Yet when Jesus came, He never ever gave place to disappointment. He actually even overcame this battle and the temptation to give place to disappointment for us. When he was in the garden, one of the, the things that he warred and contended for is he said to the father, oh, my soul is sorely vexed. And Lord, if there's any way to take this cup of suffering from me, that'd be awesome. But he said, not my will be done, but yours. When we give place to disappointment, we're actually saying my will, my way, my understanding, not yours, God. When we give place to disappointment, what we're doing is we're giving more focus and more faith to what the enemy is doing that we're seeing than we are giving place to what God is doing. You know, we are in this Exodus 14 moment. I've talked to you guys about it. I've prophesied it. And one of the things we have to be aware of is God will allow us to see the enemy clearly, just like in Exodus 14, but it's not so that we cower or we murmur or we complain or we get disappointed or discouraged or frustrated or afraid. It's so that we can clearly see what of the enemy must be overcome so we can partner with God as his solution in the earth. So the first mistake we cannot afford to make is to give place to disappointment with the world with the nation, with our church, with the media, with our government, with a politician, fill in the blank. If you've given place to disappointment right now, your eyes are open, and you're going, oh, I've done that. Thank goodness the blood of Jesus Christ works. You can repent, you can cast it down, and you can say, Lord, I refuse disappointment, I step back into my appointment as your dominion steward in the earth. All right, mistake number two that we can't afford to make right now, thinking that God wants to punish And destroy. And why this is so critical is because, again, if we start to think God wants to punish and destroy, now all of a sudden we become a voice of destruction. A voice of devastation as a voice of hope and reformation. Yes, God's tone has changed in this hour. We did a whole show on this, so I won't go too far back into this. But I highly encourage you go back and watch the show. God's tone has changed because His tone has changed. He is wanting to wake us up. He's wanting to get our attention. All those um, dreams and visions that prophets were sharing about the potential devastation that was coming. I actually think that was God, but it wasn't God saying, here's what's coming because I'm so mad at you all. I'm going to bring or allow devastation everywhere. No, he was showing us that. So we would wake up and we would pray and we would worship and we would intercede and we will humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways so that we become part of the solution. We need to understand God's tone has changed, but God's heart has not changed. And everything he's saying, even as he's highlighting wickedness and unrighteousness in the earth, it's not so we become these prophets of devastation, these prophets of destruction, this prophet of God is angry at you. No, God is highlighting to us what is happening in the earth and in the church so that we turn from it. We turn from our wicked ways and we become part of this solution. God does not want to destroy. God wants to save. God wants to revive. God wants to reform. And if you're thinking I'm being a Pollyanna and I'm just being too positive and not realizing God hates sin and wickedness and unrighteousness, of course, God hates sin wickedness and unrighteousness, And of course, God wants to deal with it. But if we think things are dark now, imagine how dark they were when the devil still had the keys to this realm. What, did, what was God's solution when the devil ruled and reigned in this realm? It was to send the gift of his son to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. He wasn't saying, hey, I don't care about sin, unrighteousness, and wickedness. He said, no, I want to invade it. I want to highlight to you the Old Testament The entire Old Testament is basically a story of God helping us come to understand we cannot save ourselves. And then the New Testament is the glorious good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we don't have to because he has come to do it for us. Now, once we're saved, we're not only saved from sin, hell and death. But we are saved and restored to being part of God's plan. And that's why we participate with him in righteousness and in heroic holiness to release that out into the earth. God is trying to wake us up to the sin, the wickedness, and the unrighteousness, that's everywhere, but it's not so we become doom and gloom voices saying God hates you and God wants to destroy you, it's so we become those who are voices of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and help the whole wide world realize God is for them, God has a plan, and they must turn from their wicked ways and turn to him. I think the best example of this in the New Testament is in Luke 9. And you guys know I've shared this story with you so many times. It's one of my favorite passages of the New Testament. It's when Jesus and the disciples are walking across the desert, and they're tired, and they're hungry, and they're thirsty, and they're going to stop at the Samaritan village. And Jesus is going to minister in the Samaritan village and do what he always does, give the fullness of himself to everyone he encounters. But all of a sudden the Samaritans find out that they're going to continue on to Jerusalem and the Samaritans get offended and say, we want nothing to do with you and they do not receive them. Well, they continue on because of that. And James and John come up to Jesus and say, do you want us to call down the fire from heaven like Elijah did? Basically, they're saying, do you want us to punish those nasty Samaritans for not receiving us? And Jesus says something amazing. He says, you don't know what your hearts are like. One translation says, you don't know what spirit you're of. Because the Son of Man did not come to destroy men, but to save them. And I believe what he was mentoring them at that time is because of a spirit of offense, the Samaritans did not receive Jesus and the disciples. I believe Jesus' heart broke for the Samaritans because what he wanted to do was go and give the fullness of who he was to them. I believe Jesus' is broke because a spirit of offense stole a visitation of him, the Lord Jesus Christ, from the Samaritans. But what James and John did is they responded to a spirit of offense with offense. They didn't say, call down the fire of God on behalf of the Samaritans to see them set free from the spirit of offense. They wanted to call down the fire on the Samaritans and punish them and destroy them because they were offended. And Jesus was saying, you can't fight offense with offense. I have not come to destroy man. I've come to destroy the things that steal a revelation of me from them, that steal from them the ability to know me, receive me, and let me give them all that I am. I don't want you to destroy man. I want you to destroy the powers and principalities that's stealing man from realizing who I am and what I have for them. So in this season, as we're becoming aware of the powers and principalities raging in the earth... God wants us to be aware of it so that we war against the powers and principalities so we can see revival and reformation because that's his great desire. God doesn't want to destroy a single nation. God doesn't want to lose a single soul, but God does want us to wake up as a church so that we become the voice of the good news of Jesus Christ, that we tell them, yes, your Father in heaven is seeing problems in the earth, and there are things He wants you to turn away from because it's, a lo- it's because He loves you and wants to save you. If, you. if you were a rebellious young man like I was, and somebody came to you and said, man, your parents are really concerned about some of the decisions you made and they have sent me here to destroy you you probably wouldn't want to go home and see your earthly parents but what if they showed up and said your earthly parents are concerned about some of the decisions you've been making they've been hurting you and they, they want to help open your eyes to the destruction and devastation it's brought into your life. And they want you to know they love you and they're waiting at home for you to come back to them so they can help you exactly where you are. They are not mad at you. They don't want to destroy you. They want to help you. And they really want to open your eyes to the devastation you're bringing into your life and to the lives of those around you. Then you might want to go home and, and, and seek your mom and dad for help. It's the same with God. He's simply trying to open our eyes so that we can help open the eyes of others because he loves them and he doesn't want to destroy them. He wants to save them. All right, so let's talk about mistake number three we can't afford to make. Number three, we can't afford to make the mistake of thinking that we do not have a part to play in what God wants to do. You cannot afford to make the mistake right now of thinking you don't have a part to play in what God wants you to do. This is not a time to check out. This is not a time to duck and cover. You are integral to his plans and purposes. We say it every show because one of the things I want to do as a prophetic voice to the nations is declare over you and remind you, you matter, you are important, and you do have a key role to play for the kingdom and the earth. How do I know? It's because you're here right now. I don't mean here watching me, watching the show. I mean, you are in the earth right here, right now, which means God who could have manifested you anywhere, anytime, chose to manifest you right here, right now, because since day six, his plan has been for you to be here right now, right here, in the midst of all that's going on so you can co-labor with him to be part of his solution, to make a difference, to operate as dominion steward in the earth. You have a part to play in the earth. This actually ties into the whole disappointment issue we started with. The enemy wants you to be trapped in disappointment. He wants you discouraged. He wants you depressed. He wants you afraid. He wants you frustrated. He wants you angry. He wants you disappointed. He wants you disappointed in what's going on, disappointed in how God in his brilliance is choosing to handle everything, disappointed in whatever it is. So you are disappointed. So you feel like you have no part to play. You do have a part to play. You're integral to God's plan. Everything that's going on in the earth right now that could be disappointing, it may have taken us by surprise. But it doesn't take God by surprise. God knew this was all going to happen. That's why he manifested you in the earth here and now so you could be part of his solution. So don't make the mistake of thinking you don't have a part to play. You don't have a role to play in what God wants to bring forth, that you don't have a part to play in his reformation. You don't have a part to play in the revival that he wants to bring forth in the nation, in your marriage, in your family, in your workplace, in your city. You have an integral part to play. He has placed you there to release light, to release kingdom order, bring kingdom solutions, to work miracles, to pray, to fast, to do whatever it takes in the victory that Christ has given you to share that victory, to operate in that victory and to release that victory exactly where he has you, exactly where you are. You know, I've been talking to some people lately who what they've been disappointed with is where God has them right now. And they feel like, um, um, how can God possibly use me where I am? Well, Obviously, he can use you where you are. And I don't mean that dismissively, but I'm trying to open your eyes. Obviously, he can use you right where you are because that's where he has you. And we don't have to wait to get to a certain place to be used by God. Wherever we are is where God wants to use us. And what's interesting is I know people, I'll use I, I'll use the example of one young man I met years ago who said, I know I'm called to lead nations to the Lord. I have a great evangelism call in my life. And I said, that's awesome, man. I believe you. God wants to use you to save souls and to save cities and to save nations. I'm so glad you have that vision. Yes. What are you doing to step out into it? And he said, well, nothing. I'm meant to be, you know, like lead crusades and in stadiums and lead hundreds of thousands of people to the Lord. And I said, that's fantastic. What are you doing to step into it right where you are? Well, I'm just waiting for someone to give me a stadium. Well, God can do that. But my personal experience and what I've watched in all my years of ministry is God in his brilliance and his goodness and kindness allows us a journey where we learn how to co-labor and cooperate with him where we are every step of the way to grow in authority, to grow in testimonies, to grow in boldness, to grow in confidence. Because to simply be plopped down in a stadium and and lead 100,000 people to the Lord, there's a level of spiritual warfare that goes on in that, that absolutely God has covered. But you need to learn like David, David knew, well, God, who was with me when I slayed the lion, God who was with me when I slayed the bear, God who was with me when I was protecting my flock is the same God who's with me who's going to help me co-labor with him to slay Goliath to see Israel set free from the enemy besetting us. So know where you are, because some people feel like, well, if I accept where I am, then I'm never going to get to where I'm going. That's a lie of the enemy. The exact opposite is true. Where you are right now is where God wants to use you right now on the the way to bringing you into everything he created you you for. So don't make the mistake of thinking you don't have a part to play in what God wants to do. Don't check out right now. Don't get placed in disappointment, but check in and say, Lord, how do you want to use me? Because we know one thing for sure, prayer and fasting. Second Chronicles seven fourteen is so much of a model for the church right now. We need to pray. We need to humble ourselves. We need to pray. We need to seek God's face. And then we need to sh- ha- allow him to show us if there's anything in our lives that we need to repent of and turn from. As we do that, we come into a place of even more power for identificational repentance on behalf of the sins of our nation. All right. Number four, mistake number four we can't afford to make right now is very timely and it actually ties in. In to number three thinking you don't have a part to play and this is mistake number four we cannot afford to make the mistake right now of thinking that our vote does not matter. And I know that we've talked about this, but I'm going to talk about it again. we got one week before the election, and I want to tell you, vote and vote for the righteous platform. I have talked to some people lately, Christians lately, who have said, "Uh, my vote doesn't matter, or I don't want to vote, or I don't think any of the candidates are righteous enough to vote for. And here's the truth. No man, no woman is going to be perfectly righteous. All God has to work through is us flawed people. That doesn't mean we make, we make excuses for unrighteousness. It means what we do is realize the scripture God gave me in regards to voting was this. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Now, I know that had to do with taxation. But what I think is really important, there's a kingdom principle he's communicating here. Peter had come to him and said, hey, you know, taxes are coming due. Um, and Jesus does not say to him, don't worry about it. You're of the kingdom. You're not of the earth. You're of the kingdom. Don't worry about it. It's no big deal. It doesn't have anything to do with us. No, he actually said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And he said, you know, there's going to be a, a go, go fishing. You're going to catch a fish. There's going to be a gold coin in the fish's mouth. Sew that into, the, into taxes. He didn't say check out. He didn't say, hey, you're right, we're not to be of the world, so just blow it off. No, he's actually saying, you're not of the world, you're of the kingdom. But one Christian said to me recently, well, I'm I'm just going to pray. I'm Good, pray. We should be praying into these elections. We should be fervently praying into these elections. That's part of God's solution. But they also said to me, after all, God said we're not to be of the world. Well, you're right, we're not to be of the world, but we are to be in the world. If we weren't to be in the world, when we say yes to Jesus Christ, we'd immediately go home to heaven. But the reason we don't do that is we're not to be of the world, we'll be of the kingdom, but we're to be of the kingdom in the world. God used Daniel, God used Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego, God used Joseph, to invade the systems of the world with kingdom solutions. That's what he's saying to Peter in the New Testament. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Invade the unrighteous systems of the world with kingdom Kingdom provision and kingdom solutions. And what we need to do in this hour is realize our vote absolutely matters. I've been declaring this for weeks, if not months, and I'm thrilled to hear that voter turnout in the USA for these elections are hitting historic levels. People are realizing my vote matters. And again, I'm going to speak bluntly. I'm going to share my heart with you. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not telling you what to vote for. I am presenting to you my perspective. God will tell you what to do. God will tell you who to vote for. My perspective is this. When I hear people say, well, you know, I can't vote for the one ticket because they're anti-life. They're anti they are pro-abortion. They're anti-life. They're anti-church. There's a aggressive progressive agenda that is Marxist at best Luciferian at worst and they have that revelation but then they say things like but I can't vote for the Trump-Pence ticket because I don't like his personality and I always look at him and say I get that he can be challenging in his personality at times But one thing that I would ask you to consider is perhaps he needs a strong personality to come up against what has been trying to turn this nation away from the plans and purposes of God so God can use him to bring the nation back. But even if you don't think that, it's absolutely okay if you don't, but even if you don't think that, here's what we do know about the Trump-Pence administration. They are pro-life, aggressively pro-life aggressively pro-church, the very fact that I can say what I'm saying right now shows you how pro-church that this administration is. Because according to the, what was it, the Johnson Act, you could lose your 501c3 status, you could lose your church status if you ever discussed politics of any kind. President Trump, when he was in office, almost immediately overturned that so churches were free to share their convictions. They were free to share their thoughts. And no, that should not be our focus. Our focus should be Christ and him crucified. Yet in situations like this, when we have an opportunity to vote pro-life, pro-God, pro-church, pro-Israel, an administration that's aggressively pro-Israel, and an administration that's aggressively anti-human trafficking and wants to tear down the whole pedophilia hidden ring thing that's been going on behind the scenes in this nation. Here's my personal conviction. I don't want to get to heaven one day and say, Lord, you know, I could have helped be a part of um, uh, overturning Roe v. Wade and see child sacrifice ended in my nation. But I didn't like the personality of the president that was so pro-life. We have an opportunity to vote for a righteous ticket. Not a righteous man. All God has to work with is flawed people. I mean, the the most righteous candidate or politician God's ever had to work with, and I use the term loosely, but the most righteous government leader, let's put it that way, God ever had to work with was David, and he was an adulterer and a murderer but he was a man after God's own heart. Now you may question if President Trump and Vice President Pence are men after God's own heart. That's between you and God to decide. It's not for me to tell you what to think. I'm aware that they're flawed. I am aware that they're imperfect. I am aware that Mr. Trump sometimes has a strong personality that for many can be challenging. But what I look at is I look past the personality. I look past the flaws that I make no excuse for, and I look at the historic opportunity that I have to cast a vote for righteousness, that I have to cast a vote that's pro-life, pro-church, pro-God, pro-Israel, anti-human trafficking. So don't make the mistake of thinking your vote does not matter. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but bring a kingdom mindset, a kingdom solution, a kingdom perspective that's willing to look past the flaws of a man, because every man has flaws. Look past the flaws of the man and look to the plans and purposes to reestablish truth and justice in this nation, a righteous foundation in this nation, and cast your vote. All right, let's talk about mistake number five that we can't afford to make. Mistake number five that Christians can't afford to make right now if we want to position ourselves to be part of God's reformation is we can't afford to only wield one edge of the sword. And what I mean by that is I look at um, in Revelations 19, 15, when the victorious risen Lord is is empowering the Apostle John a sword comes out of his mouth and we know that it's a two-edged sword and the two edges of God's sword are love and truth, justice and mercy. And what happens is we tend to get comfortable wielding one edge of the sword over the other. Like we'll wield truth and we'll beat people over the head with the word of God, but then we'll make the mistake of knowing the truth of God's word, but then like we talked about with mistake number 2, we can't afford to think that God is highlighting his truth in this season so we clearly see the lies of the enemy and that means he wants to bring destruction. No, we want to wield truth. We want to wield the word of God, but we must wield it in love. That's where the power is. Because otherwise we just become this horrible nagging voice of you're a sinner and you're going to go to hell. That's truth. But when we wield that truth, we never compromise the truth. We never compromise the gospel. But when we wield it in love, now all of a sudden people's eyes are opened, but so are their hearts so that they're willing to receive Jesus Christ. It's the the same with the other edge. We can so wield the love edge that we say, God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you where you are. And that's absolutely true. And people need to know that. But if we only wield love without truth, then all of a sudden we'll come into the place of saying, you know, we'll just want to wield love. So when things get a little difficult and people want God wants to use love to lovingly address sin issues in their life, all of a sudden we want to back that off because, well, we just want them to feel love. We just want to make sure they know they're loved. We must operate in truth, but we must operate in truth and love. We must operate and wield both edges of the sword. It's the same with justice and mercy. Yes, God who is just wants to highlight the wickedness, the unrighteousness, and the injustice in our nation right now. But for true reformation to come, we must wield both edges of the sword that we, that we go on behalf of justice, but we do it with a heart of mercy. That we know it's the God who saves and brings revival and reformation, as he highlights justice issues, not that he brings devastation. Otherwise, we see some of the horrible excesses of the social justice movement right now, they have a they have a revelation of justice, but the enemy's gotten in and twisted it so horribly that they're operating in levels of injustice is greater, even greater than what they're protesting against. They're killing people. They're slaughtering people. They're hunting police officers. It's gotten crazy. Why? Because when we only operate with one edge of the sword, and God does want justice, and God wants real social justice in our nation, but he wants it with mercy. He wants truth, but he wants it done in love, because now all of a sudden, when we're operating with both edges of the sword, we can cut down anything of the enemy. If we only wield one edge of the sword, we're actually making place for the enemy to come and twist and pervert things. So we might be operating in love, but now we're using love to empower sin. Or we might be operating in truth, but now we're wielding truth to beat people over the head, and we're actually driving them away from the gospel, as opposed to drawing them into the gospel. Jesus, again, Messiah and model, he always wielded both edges of the sword. He never compromised truth, but he also never compromised love. The challenge is it's much easier to wield one edge or the other. It's challenging sometimes to wield both edges. What does truth look like in love? What does love look like in truth in these circumstances? That's why we have the Holy Spirit. He helps us navigate that. All right, let's keep going. Mistake number six that we cannot afford to make as Christians in the earth right now if we want to be part of God's solution. We cannot afford to make the mistake anymore thinking sin doesn't matter. We have talked about this over and over again, so I'll try to be brief but this is an important issue in the church. You guys have heard me talk about Romans 5, 15 through 19. It makes it so clear why this is so true. When we are restored to relationship with God, we are the sons, we are the bride. And Romans 5 makes it clear that Adam, when he was the son... When he was the first son, when he was in relationship with his heavenly father, when he chose to rebel, when he chose to sin, when he chose unrighteousness, it doesn't simply say that he was made unrighteous. He was, but it says unrighteousness entered the earth. We are the gates. Matthew 16 makes it clear, when we have the revelation of Jesus Christ and we say, yes, God wants to release righteousness through us, not so that we get saved, but in our salvation, not to earn relationship, but in relationship. Now, what has been loosed in, from heaven, we're to loosen the earth. What's been bound in heaven, we're to bind in the earth. What's been bound in heaven? What has been bound in heaven that, can't, that is illegal to operate in the earth now? Sin, hell, and death. We are to bind those things, not to participate in them. Because when we do, now we're releasing them out into creation. Um, I had someone come to me once when I shared a message on heroic holiness. And you guys have heard me share that. You know my message of heroic holiness. It's the other part of Romans 5, 15 through 19. It says, when the second son... Christ Jesus chose to obey, righteousness was made available to all. It doesn't say he was made righteous, he already was. But it says, when we who are righteous, who are already in relationship with God, choose righteousness, not to earn something, not to get something, not for favor, not for blessing, not for relationship, but in relationship, in blessing in authority. When we operate from that place in the fullness of who we are, from the revelation of identity as loved and accepted sons of God, no matter what. And then we choose righteousness. It's not to get something we don't have. It's to operate fully in authority. We do have because it says when Christ Jesus, the second son chose to obey, righteousness was released out into the earth. It was made available to all. So when we as sons, When we as the bride, when we as the gates, when we as dominion stewards in the earth choose to sin, it's not a question of are we forgiven or not. It's not a question of the Jesus deal with sin at the cross or not. He did deal with sin at the cross. He did forgive us for our sins. He did wash us clean. And if you sin right here, right now, and you go to the Lord and you repent, he will forgive you and his blood will wash you clean. But you must be aware. We all must be aware that we have released unrighteousness into the earth. Now, the blood of Jesus Christ can deal with that, too. But if we choose righteousness, we become part of God's revival. We have a global worldwide ministry through the decisions we make. Why would we choose choose sin? Even if sin is forgiven, even if we can be absolved of it through the blood of Jesus Christ, why would we choose it and release sin and darkness out into the earth? Sin does matter, not because Jesus didn't deal with it, not because we're not forgiven, but because we don't understand how powerful we are. When we choose sin, unrighteousness is entering the world. Why does the world look the way it does right now? Because sin has impact. People choose sin. The church has chosen sin in some areas. The good news is the blood of Jesus Christ forgives us, absolves us. We can apply the blood and we can see it all made right and brought into righteousness. But then from that, we choose righteousness to continue to advance the righteous kingdom in the earth. All right. Let's talk about number seven and number eight here quickly. I got to wrap us up today. Mistake number seven that we cannot afford to make as Christians right now, having such a revelation of the victorious Christ that we forget the crucified Christ. Let me unpack that a little bit. I am thrilled that especially the charismatic church in North America, I love that we have such a revelation of the victory of the victorious Christ, of the victorious risen Lord. I wrote a book called Winning the Battle for Your Mind, Will, and Emotions that mentors you in how to always live in the victory that we have through Christ how to live in the more that we have been given. We don't have to cry out for more. God will teach us how to live in the more we already have in Christ. I absolutely believe in the victory that Jesus has given us, that we have in Christ. In that, though, we can't have such a revelation of that that we forget about the crucified Christ. Because when we do that, we forget... That is sons of God, it is a privilege to live in the victory. And one of the ways we live in the victory is to deny that old carnal nature that's supposed to stay buried in Christ. Jesus said it, if you truly want to follow me, take up your cross, die to yourself daily. Now, he doesn't say take up my cross. He's Messiah. He restores us to relationship with our Heavenly Father and all of his kingdom here in the earth. And he empowers us through his Holy Spirit to walk in it. But he's saying, not if you want to follow me and you want to believe, but if you believe and you want to follow me as the body of Christ in the earth, look at how I live my life in the earth As an empowered son filled with the Holy Spirit, I overcame every temptation. That's what he means by taking up our cross. We don't overcome temptation to earn favor with God, we overcome temptation to operate in the authority we have in, with, and for God because we're loved and accepted. If we only focus on the victorious Christ and not the crucified Christ, why did Paul, who mentored churches everywhere he went, Why did he who mentored churches and how to live in the victory of Christ, why did he say, I I preach Christ and him crucified only? He wasn't saying, I'm preaching a message of hang down your head, filthy and dirty sinner, and look at what Jesus had to do for you. No, he's saying, I preach Christ, the victorious risen Lord who dwells within you, who has given you victory, who empowers you to walk in victory, and him crucified, because part of how we live in, legislate, and execute, and advance that victorious kingdom in the earth is to do what he modeled to us, which is die to self in the midst of temptation so we become gloriously alive in him. That's why Jesus says in Acts 1.8, the Holy Spirit will come upon you in power so you can be great and mighty witnesses of me here, there, and everywhere. That word witness is martos. It means martyr. Holy Spirit will come upon you and empower you in those moments of temptation to die to yourself, not so you earn favor with God, but because you have favor, you have relationship. And now, as you are saying no to temptation, you're realizing this isn't a burden. This isn't a trial. This is an opportunity to punch the devil in the the nose and release righteousness and release the kingdom out into the earth in even greater measure. All right. And that brings us to our final mistake that we can't afford to make right now. Mistake number eight. We can't afford to make the mistake of crying out for more of the Holy Spirit, but ignoring his nudges, whispers, and leadings. The reason I think this is important is because while the Holy Spirit comes in power, loves to come in power, loves to come in as a mighty wind, loves to come as a fire, loves to come and blow things up, he's brilliant at it, to really learn to walk closely with him to where we can participate in that more of his manifestations that we're crying out for in great and mighty ways to put the kingdom on display. I think usually the way he leads us in that is we develop intimacy with him through whispers, through nudges, through leadings. And the more we do that the more we'll see the other but what happens is we're so looking for the big we ignore the little nudges and whispers along the way and what we're actually doing is denying holy spirit denying is leading denying is mentoring denying is reminding Denying is empowering we're not we're not denying our salvation we're just denying the opportunity to grow in intimacy and closeness with the holy spirit which is what this whole thing's about Got to remember, this whole thing's about relationship. Absolutely, Jesus came to overcome sin and hell and death. He went to the cross to pay the price for our sins that we could not pay for ourselves. Absolutely, that is what Jesus did. And we should revere him. We should thank him. We should love and adore and appreciate him and be blown away that he would do that for us. But in that, we also need to remember why he did it. He did it because he wanted relationship with us. He was willing to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves because he so longed for intimacy, union, communion, friendship and fellowship to be restored. He didn't want heaven without us. So he came down from heaven. I love that song. So we need to understand that this whole thing is about relationship. And one of the ways we grow in relationship with God through his Holy Spirit is the same way we do with one another by walking together, by being true friends. And Holy Spirit will whisper to us, he'll nudge us, he'll lead us. And as we embrace that and cherish that and respond to that, we're actually responding to the invitation to greater intimacy. And in that we learn to hear him, we learn to move with him and flow with him to an even greater degree. And that's gonna bring us in the Boomba of the Holy Spirit that we long for. So those are the eight mistakes that we can't afford to make as Christians right now, if we wanna position ourselves to be part Of God's Reformation because that's what we're here for. This doesn't mean God's not sovereign. It doesn't mean if we make these mistakes God can't do what he wants to do It means we'll miss the opportunity of participating with the Lord in that and we may unwittingly end up releasing some unrighteousness some wicked and darkness as opposed to righteousness as opposed to heroic holiness and as opposed to the love light and life of Jesus Christ That's what you're called to. That's what you're made for. That's what you're here for So those are the eight mistakes we can't afford to make as Christians right now. The only reason I highlight them to you is not to make them boogeymen, but to open our eyes because we're going to avoid them. We're going to be part of God's solution. You're going to be part of God's solution. So thank you for being with me this week. Don't forget. FirewallUSA.com. Go there and get the prayer points, get the decrees. And this next week, let's fast. Let's pray. Let's really press in. Let's make history together with Jesus for the United States of America. And don't forget to go to RobertHotchkin.com. It's your hub. It's your link to all things. You can connect to menonthefrontlines.com there. You can go to the YouTube channel and subscribe there. You can go to the podcast and subscribe and like and share the podcast and all the videos at roberthodgkin.com YouTube channel. And hey, since I mentioned MenOnTheFrontLines.com. on the do me a favor while you're there share your email address we don't spam you we don't send out hardly any emails at all but we will let you know when we have something coming up that'll be a blessing to you and also click that donate button click that giving button and sew into men on the front lines we are going to continue to create media for you and make it all for free we know a lot of you are going through some challenges right now and we're here for you and we're committed to you and we're gonna keep pouring into you but if you happen to be in a position where you can come alongside what we're doing and sew into it. Go to menonthefrontlines.com or roberthotchkin.com Click that giving button. Click that donate button. And sew in to what God is doing through this media ministry around the world. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. God bless your nation if you're watching from overseas. And I will see you here again for another Heroes Arise soon.